Hey, this is Pastor Joaquin G. Molina from Spring of Life Fellowship, and I want to welcome you to our podcast. I hope you're encouraged with this message and you stay the course to change the world. God bless you. Father, we pray this morning that you would bless your word, that your people might hear and consider your thoughts and your heart towards them. I pray that your word would be a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. Your word would make a foolish man wise. That we desire the things that you desire for us. That we would contemplate the heavenlies, the supernatural realities, and not the temporary earthly passing and fleeting passions of our flesh. We pray that we would Strengthen the inner man and that the inner man might grow up in all things to the head, which is Christ. And as we listen to your word and contemplate and consider the things that you have prepared for us, that we would walk in strength above the natural, that we would walk in the spiritual reality of overcoming for our 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 battle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and power, against evil, wicked spirits, against the host of hell's army, oh God. And we pray that we would put on the armor of God and be strong and having done all things that we continue to stand and that with you, Lord, we could confront every battle in our lives and come out victorious fight our battles lord deliver us from the grip and the captivity of darkness let your presence be a reality let your holy spirit minister to our lives that we might find ourselves pleasing you in every area of our life that we not be ashamed that we not be distracted and distance from knowing you and serving you so father we pray in jesus name that your word would be a good seed planted in the fertile hearts of good soil and that it would produce good fruit and a harvest that would glorify your name we praise you and we glorify and we celebrate and worship you jesus we give you thanks in jesus name we pray Amen and amen. So we're trying to see on the present landscape of what is happening upon the earth. And on the spiritual side of religion, things are neatly packaged to not offend, to not uh, cause outrage. But the realities of what we have upon the planet is a incredible state of confusion and chaos and everything messy. Um, Religion tries to neatly pack a theological philosophy to be able to to have its own language and and its own uh, address But the truth of the matter is the human man, the human condition, 
has been totally, um, totally brought to the place of confusion and chaos, um, the state of rejection that, that it is normal nowadays. We, we, can't, we can't identify with the Father that loves and provides. John 3.16 becomes the, the centerpiece of the message that the world needs to know that a father so loved the world and they don't know a father that they could identify with and they cannot see a son that it says that he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So the framework of what God is doing upon the earth is a father's love that compels him to give forth his son. But nobody knows the value of a son because sons are no longer valued. Where the paradigm of God has shifted to such a degree that man cannot identify with a father that gives his greatest gift a son who is sacrificed. And so it says that whoever believes in him, whoever comes to have a relationship with the son should not perish, but have everlasting life. And we're living in the, according to the confessions of, of those who are studied say we live in a post-Christian era, which means that Christ and his message are no longer relevant. And I believe the devil has stirred the pot to such a degree that we don't know a loving father. We don't know the, the expressions of a father that might have compassion in his heart, that would be concerned with a son's best interest, and then we don't know the price of a son. The rate of abortion nowadays would diminish any importance in having a son. We don't treat sons with any manner of high regard. They're thrown in the trash. They're thrown immediately in the trash in the middle of a pregnancy. As they're being developed in the womb, there's zero regard for the man who placed his seed in that womb and the woman who is carrying the child. So we're presently living in an age where man has no longer any regard for the things God has a regard for. So that being the case, man is under a great affliction of rejection offense outrage the divorce has broken the hearts of our children the bible says that i believe it's proverbs 17 9 that the glory of children are their parents let's go verse 6 the glory of children is their father and we're living in a day and an age where children no longer have a father in the house. There's no longer a marriage in the family. 
And so I want to suggest there's no more glory over our children. The opposite of glory is deep shame. The opposite of the light of glory is the presence of darkness. So in this atmosphere and climate, God has to make provision for man. In this state of utter deep darkness, the Bible, the, the Bible illustrates, it, it describes. We can read that in Isaiah 60, verse 2, where the Bible says that deep darkness. Darkness shall cover the earth. Well, it's not talking about the sun no longer shining. It's talking about the depth of hell unleashed. We're seeing things that I never thought our eyes would see. Deep darkness has come upon the people. But the contrast is that the Lord will arise and his glory will be seen upon you. Verse 3 Many shall come running to the light. The Gentiles shall come and see the brightness of your rising. So we see the context is darkness is deep and profound and light is shining upon certain people. And many will come to this light when they distinguish the difference. And I want to suggest that in the darkness of divorce, there is a light of marriage. The marriage relationship produces a light that shines brighter than many lights that are upon the landscape. When you see a husband and a wife, there's something taking place in that union that is supernatural. Because the present state of the landscape is that no one would lay down their life for their wife. That no one concerned themselves about the interest of others. But the marriage relationship stands as a stark contrast to the work of Satan. And so we're, we've been on this for a long time. And we're going we're gonna, to, you know, we're, we're going to sit there and continue to pursue the perfecting of the marriage relationship. And I want to say, like many preachers have said before, that marriage made in heaven causes your earthly experience to be a delight. In other words, you could have heaven on earth if you have a marriage according to God's heart. That's the substance and the essence of God's DNA. When Paul is teaching in the book of Ephesians and he's talking about the marriage relationship, I believe it's in chapter 5, he says, listen, I want to describe to you that a husband should love his wife and the wife should respect her husband. And he's declaring this relationship to the people in Ephesus. And he is describing verse 22. He says, wives, submit to your husbands. This, this is not a natural thing. 
This is a supernatural thing. When a wife begins to seek the virtues of heaven, the tendency is for her to come in relationship with her husband in a manner that makes the union an agreeable existence. So if we're living outside of the kingdom of God, there is no wife that can submit. Man, she could dress with a, she could put on her dress, she could carry her Bible, but if she doesn't have the spirit of the Lord, there is no taming the beast. She cannot honor and respect her husband. These are ingredients of heaven. And do so as to the Lord. Verse 23. The husband is the head of the wife. Just as also Christ is the head of the church. He's the savior of the body. And so we see that as Paul continues to describe these this marriage relationship, he comes to the place where he says, I'm talking about Christ and the church. Verse 32. The mystery, the great mystery that I speak in the marriage relationship is evidencing. It's showing Christ and the church. It would mean that in this paragraph talking about husbands and wives, why would he get into Christ in the church? Because evidence of heaven upon the earth is demonstrated by those in a marriage covenant. And when you see men who aren't willing to covenant with women, and you see that men are not serious about the relationship with the opposite sex, you know darkness has filled the earth. And to counter the flood of darkness, we champion marriage. Pastor Joey Torres and Suleika have just published their their manual to marriage, and it would be a powerful um, roadmap and blueprint for those of you that are not enjoying what God created for us to enjoy. If, if you come from generations of destroyed marital relationships, that's why our children have no glory. They've lost their father. They've lost their mom. Their mom lies in the grip of some second, third, and fourth stepfather. And this brings great embarrassment and confusion and darkness upon the earth. And so we can't even begin to try and neatly present religion to those who have been decimated at the most essential level of existence. That the never having been a part of the father's embrace. I have three sons and a daughter, and one of their highest priorities in life is to honor their dad. They don't want to do anything. And and then in this body of sin that continues to, it's it's a sin factory. 
It continues to produce that which is shameful and dark. And while we're producing that stuff, the Father is not honored. There's no joy in this. There's no joy in a body that has fallen into captivity to sin and doesn't produce anything favorable. So many times, like a prodigal son, let's move away from the father's house. That way we could drink, we could womanize, we could party, we could corral, we could do all things. It's not going to make our dad sad, but it's going to destroy us. And you're going to end up eating with a bunch of swine, with pigs. And when you're eating out of the trash bin, you're going to say, man, I'm going to go back to my father's house. Because there's a place at the table for me, there are, there's garments, there's a ring of authority, of, of identity, there's an existence where I, can, I could become a servant. And Jesus says the greatest is him who has the capacity to stop being selfish. What a great confession he had when he returned to the father's house, the prodigal son, and said, Father... Forgive me, I've sinned. Make me as one of your servants. Teach me not to be selfish anymore. And so these are the, the relationships. A, a husband and a wife in marriage. We're going to perfect that. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it mandatory for every marriage in our church to buy one of these manuals that was published. The, the, the work of many years of an effort of perfecting the marriage relationship that Pastor Joey Torres and his wife Suleika has put together because we need to champion marriage. It's the last bastion of hope for family. And then the relationship between a father and a son. If you do not have that relationship... You cannot perfect your manhood. You become illegitimate. When you're not in a relationship with a father, you become nothing. Because a father downloads correction, instruction, discipline. Him who the father loves, he disciplines. I've had friends that have had fathers that have said, I'm not going to discipline them. Let them do whatever they want. Let, let them walk in the passions of their disobedience and the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes. Let's not correct them. And so you see how darkness continues to increase and how the light continues to diminish. That's not to be. Christ came into this world that's full of deep trash, of of corruption, of things rotted, and he's made provision for our salvation. This is not religion, my friend. This is the work of the Spirit of God. It's able to turn everything into the direction of the flourishing God intended from the beginning. We're not to have the fragrance of corruption. We're not to be diminished. You know, for the pastors that are listening to me, your call to pastor is to perfect marriage, to perfect the family relationship by restor restoring broken homes, 
by turning the hearts to the fathers. Malachi chapter 4 verse 6. If a father does not care about his son like the father cared about the world. If a father despises and is trying to not care for offspring. God wants to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. And the hearts of the children to be able to submit to the father. To obey. To have a relationship in the spirit. I know many of you are watching because you want a prophetic word for your life. It doesn't get more prophetic than what God is speaking here this morning. I know you're wanting something new so that you can survive the the tsunami of sin and darkness, of the depraved, of the degenerate, of the grotesque, And religion is not going to be able to get there. But the provision of God in Christ does. It's a thorough work taking you from the deepest gutter to the highest rung of the presence of God in purity and holiness. It's a thorough work of his spirit through his word. I hope that those of you that are the church... Have an ear to hear what the Spirit of God is telling the church. We are more than conquerors in Christ. There's nothing standing in the way for us to return to the things God has for us with regards to his light, with his kingdom, with his love. That you would be embraced, that your life would be a reality of him. And this is what I always say 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 8, where God found me, he found me at the dung hill. He's able to raise up those that are poor from the dust, the beggar from the ash heap. That's another word for dung hill, where all the crap of the community lies. That's where he found me. What did he do? To set me as a prince amongst his people. To be able to share with me his thoughts. So that I could see how he sees. That I not be lost in the commotion, in the deception, in the lack of glory. He's made a throne for me to inherit glory as a column The columns that God has set on the earth are things to build upon. The pillars of the earth belong to the Lord. And he sets them in the world to carry that profound weight of responsibility. So I thank God that in his provision, Colossians 2.15, in these things, the marriage relationship, the father and son relationship, The gospel news, he has disarmed principalities and powers. Disarm means all the weapons of hell are totally checkmate. They cannot proceed. He makes of them a public spectacle. Um, When when things are hidden, they, they, they maneuver in darkness. You can't tell what's hitting you. Where are the punches coming from? How is the devil assaulting me? How this wave, this huge wave 
tsunami of darkness has overtaken my life. Coming from an orphan relationship where there's no father. How could you not have a father speaking into your life? Well, sometimes it's not so much that the father's not there. It's that you're not listening to him. Because God has been faithful to give you a dad. Because dad is not biological, it's spiritual. It's the spirit of Abba Father who speaks to you. And the Lord has made of these principalities and powers a spectacle. How does he do that? By triumphing over them. He was able to maneuver and posture himself to destroy the works of darkness. He says, for this reason I have come, that I can destroy all that the devil wants to do. My friend, outside of the church, outside of this message here today, there's a big mess out there. And the mess is not a, an existence of, of unfettered darkness. It's the fact that there is no light. And you, you say that God has given us a book to cause men to be champions. And I give this book to men and they say, I still haven't read it. And the reason they haven't read it is because they don't want to be champions. They don't want to champion life. They don't want to champion their marriage. They don't want to champion their children and their families and their finances. Ultimately, this is the forging of Christ's character. That, that's lining yourself up with how God wants you to live. But you have a life outside of Christ. That's why you're defeated. That's why you're destroyed. That's why you're walking in the devil's game plan. But Jesus has come to disarm these powers and principalities to make them a public spectacle and to triumph over them. It's this gospel of Jesus Christ that causes us to be overcomers. And the Bible says more than overcomers. We read the book of Romans chapter 8. The game plan has been set by the Lord in a marvelous way. He says these words. Verse, chapter 8, verse 37. Yet in all these things, what things? Everything that comes against you to be a champion. And it doesn't matter if you're an orphan, if you come from a broken family, if you're a prostitute. It doesn't matter how perverse and lewd your existence has become into pornography, into every wayward thought, every wayward heart of rejection, offense, to be disloyal, that you ha don't have a capacity to, to care about others more than yourself. That's a curse. That's what you learn in family, to care about others more than yourself. But the family has been disintegrated. We have walked in the selfishness of fathers who didn't love our, wives, our moms. We have been covered with the shame 
of parents who have broken our homes and showed us not prosperity because a house divided will not prosper, will not prevail. When I was asking God why he wanted me to commit to Yvette, my wife, when we were going to get married, he says, because I want to protect your children. I didn't understand that. But the, the tsunami of darkness that comes into the heart of our children when the marriage relationship is broken many times is irreparable. In the natural, there's no answer that could fix a broken heart. You could fix a broken arm, a broken leg, a broken finger, but you can't fix a broken spirit. You need God to come in there and do something supernatural, and he has in Christ. That's why Paul could stand and say, in all these things, we are more than conquerors because there was one who loved us, one who disarmed the principalities and powers. Listen, Christ is a champion not because he's religious in in theory, he's a champion because he was able to set aside every demon in hell from accomplishing his purpose. And that's a great victory and triumph. So when he says in all these things, we're more than conquerors through him who loved us, Jesus initiated a work to fix the mess. Verse 38. For I am persuaded that it doesn't matter the death, nor the life, nor the angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present or things to come. Verse 39. It doesn't matter how tall, how high these challenges are or how deep-seated in our spirit they are, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is manifest and seen in Christ Jesus our Lord. And we, we can't understand that God has made provision for the depth of darkness upon the earth. It's going to get ever increasingly dark in our thoughts, in our minds, in our daily lives. But Christ is victorious. He is triumphant. I love the fact that he's been able to set aside all these things that separate us from experiencing the love of God. A couple of months ago, I ran into a picture and as I saw this picture, it reminded me of the price that was paid to unite our separation so that we not experience the love of God. Because when you don't have the love of God, the devil has a grip on your spirit. I want to put that picture up here so you could see it. And this picture... is a depiction of Christ and how he was stricken and how he came to have hell unleash its fury and its wrath of, of punishment that belonged to us 
as we have, have experienced all manner of expressions causing us worthy to suffer at the hands of the devil's work. If you see this illustration and you, you're able to see the depth of what Christ did, because it, it wasn't free. It's not like all of a sudden you get delivered from darkness without a price. No, the price is real. It's a genuine sacrifice taking your place. The cross is the center message that must become our reality. This cannot be some fanciful imagination. There was a son. He did come. He was born of a virgin. He lived here upon the earth and he surrendered his life. He volunteered himself to take the punishment of all your grief. What, what is, what's that mean? Isaiah chapter 53 verse 3 tries to illustrate a little bit of his experience. Christ came and is despised, that means hated, and rejected by men. And that is what has caused much darkness to come upon the earth. If you see a man despised and rejected, you see his fury upon the earth filling every corner of the expanse. In the territory where he roams, he is unleashing the unforgiveness, the violence, and the wrath of being despised and rejected. Because no one who is loved and embraced and welcomed and made part of a family has any issues. The issues are those thoughts of Satan. The Bible says that, that he is sinister in his capacity to sow ungodly seed in the hearts of men instead of there being precious and fragrant fruit there's thorns and thistles there's desolation there's a desert wilderness in the heart of men that are hated and despised and here he is despised and rejected to the point of becoming the man of sorrows a man of sorrows and what's this mean? He could identify with your sadness. He's there. This is one of the glorious things in my life. 37 years ago, when I invited Jesus Christ into my heart, I have not been sorrowful a day in my life. Why? Because the joy of the Lord is my strength. And I rejoice always in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. My fellowship with the Son is the highest place of pleasure upon the earth. I'm no longer despised. I'm no longer rejected. I no longer walk in sorrow. He became a man of sorrows, and he introduced himself to grief. We're talking about serious things this morning. We're talking about a transformation from a curse to the blessing. 
I've heard men say, reverse the curse. Get out of the devil's stench for your life. Walk in God's blessing. And the Bible says we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Verse 4. Surely he has borne our griefs. He came to carry our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him as stricken and smitten by God and afflicted. Verse 5. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The punishment of our peace was upon him. By his stripes, we are healed. Verse 6. All of us as sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid upon Jesus the iniquity of us all. I want to suggest to you that this is more than religion. That God has provided for us the reality at the cross. That if we're not making this a reality to our sons. If we're not introducing the sacrificial atonement of Christ. And the cross to our marriage. That you're not living for yourself. That you're not denying yourself. That you're not serving and honoring the members of your family. You have missed it. 1 Corinthians 2.1, Paul says like this, Brothers, when I came to you and I proclaimed to you the testimony of Christ, I did not come with some fancy words. I did not come with depth of wisdom, declaring to you what God had done. I don't want ever you to miss God's provision for your life because of some good Bible study or spiritual knowledge we attain. Verse 2, he says, But I came determined not to be acquainted with anything amongst you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. The centrality of our message is that there's provision from God for the mess that's upon the planet right now. And we cannot offer this generation a neatly packed religious exchange of some ecclesiastical philosophy and theology to cover and clean up the mess that exists. I love Hebrews 4.15 where God says that Jesus was acquainted with every one of our points of temptation and yet he championed life. We don't have a high priest who cannot sympathize and feel with the area of our vulnerability and weakness. And I know that there are areas in our lives that we're not moving in a direction that's favorable to us. If you move in weakness, you will lose. But God has become our strength so that we win. He who is in all points tempted as we are 
There's not going to be anybody up in heaven with an excuse of why they didn't champion life. Because the Father has made full provision. Yet he was tempted in every point and remained without sin. It's super important that we might today consider Christ and him crucified. That we might consider that the devil has nothing on us. 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 23 he bore, it says, who when he was reviled, he did not revile in it return. Isn't that a blessing? That you have the capacity to not have a bitter exchange with those who revile you. When he suffered, he did not threaten. As he was going through the pain, he didn't say, I'm going to get you. Tomorrow, you're going to see what I'm going to do. When you get to heaven, you'll, you'll, see, you'll remember. But he committed himself to him who righteously judges. Verse 24. He himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree. Every area of our life that we have dropped the ball, we can go to the cross and receive provision because he took it to the cross. That we having died to sin, many, plural, might live for righteousness. By whose stripes we have been made whole. There's provision at the cross for what's happening upon the face of the earth today. There's provision on the cross for broken marriages, for selfish husbands. For rebellious wives, for dishonoring children, for communities who still have not experienced the provisions of the gospel. Because the church has decided to conform and to be sufficiently content with religion. If it wasn't for the grace of God that was able to introduce us to the triumph of the cross. I love reading portions of the crucifixion. I love seeing how Christ bore, he carried our sins. How he was able to move in the direction. Bible says clearly here in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 3, I want to pass to you the importance. I want to give, hand you what is of the first priority of all things which I also received. The things I've received. Christ died for our sins. Christ has made provision for everything that's screwed up and twisted in our lives. Things that don't allow us to live the victories and the triumphs of God, there's provision at the cross. We can't leave the cross behind as some historical event. It's an everyday reality. Go to the cross with your sin and have an exchange there and say, Lord, I want to leave my sin here so that I could walk in your victory. I don't want the effects of the mess that's coming Because I am entangled in my sins. Verse 4. He was buried. 
And he rose again on the third day according to scripture. What's that mean? That he has the victory. He has the, the triumph. And then afterwards, verse 5, he appeared to Peter and then to the 12. He had to restore Peter. Peter was totally defeated in having three times denied the Lord. So God, and Jesus appears to Peter and then to the 12, and he is fixing all things twisted. Verse 6, after that he appeared to 500 people, brothers and sisters at one time, the majority whom the greater part remain alive still, but some have already fallen asleep. Some have already gone on to be with the Lord. And then he says like this, verse 8, verse 7, sorry. Then he was seen by James and then by all the apostles. Verse 8, Paul says, last of all, as to one who was untimely, premature, born, he appeared to me also. So I want to tell you this morning that in the middle of the deep darkness and the tsunami of sin that has enveloped and brought much diminishing effect upon man and women, that we begin to return to the cross, that we begin to, to make that a reality. Sit down and watch the passion of the Christ with your children. Let them see what Christ suffered. Stop the video games. Stop the fantasy and the affairs to be shot 50,000 times and have a reset button and continue to live. Because that is not going to be the real case in the coming days. We're going to stand before the Lord and have to give an account why we did not walk in the provisions that cost him so much. In the midst of the love of a father, the sacrifice of a son, and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, we have no excuses to continue to walk in darkness. Father, I pray today that your blessing would be upon your people, that you continue to prosper us, that as we consider your great victory and triumph, that it not just be theological, that it not just be information, spiritual information, that it would be an experienced reality, that we walk in the joy, that we walk in the power, that we walk transformed in a renewed reality of honoring you all the days of our lives, and that your spirit in us would be greater than any other spirit, so, Father, I rebuke the spirit of depression. I rebuke the spirit of rebellion. I rebuke the prodigal's self-sufficient, independent attitude. I pray, Father God, for our marriages at Spring of Life and throughout the nation, O oh God. I pray for father and son relationships. There are so many pastors out there that don't even have a spiritual father that are not walking in communion with the joy that you have expressed in Romans 8, verse 15, that we have not been given a spirit of fear to go back to bondage, to selfishness, but that we could cry, Abba, Father, that we can come into the Father's embrace, the Father's instruction, the Father's love, 
his discipline. And that that might be able to chart a course for our triumph. You've established these things upon the earth for our fruitfulness. Father, that we not despise them. That we not forfeit them. That we not deny what you have established. We pray that this word would be a central part of our reality. That in this church we would have strong men filled with the grace of God. Courageous men. That we have virtuous women. That we have godly marriages. Strong marriages. That would produce glory for our children. Confidence. Excitement. Enthusiasm. Fruitfulness. And we pray that our sons and our daughters would champion life. As they embrace the cross. As they embrace the provisions at Calvary. Thank you for the blood of Jesus. Thank you for the work of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, make these things foundational in our lives, not religion. Come and clean up the mess, oh God. Allow us to come into the provisions that are at the cross so that we could fill the earth with your glory, so that our thoughts are turned towards you, Lord, and give us a mindset of being overcomers in all things. In Jesus' name, we bless the families. We, we, we call the heavens to open above every family represented in this church. And that the blessing of God come upon them with great peace and joy, with great fruitfulness, with ex, ex, extended finances, oh God, and influence to continue to proclaim and to share the gospel of Jesus Christ while there's still time. This we pray in Jesus' name and all the people say amen, amen, and amen. God bless you. See you on Wednesday. We're looking forward to seeing God's hand continue to direct us in a manner that manifests and causes his splendor to fill the earth. In Jesus' name, God bless you. Love you.